On today's Midcourt Madness, the first weekend of the tournament is in the books. We have a 16 seed beating a 1 seed, a 15 seed beating a 2 seed, and also making the Sweet 16. Um, and there's much more action out there too, so we'll get into all of that right after this. Biggs, it's uh, it's been a marathon two days here, but I first want to do a little self reflection here. Um, you know, we've had a lot of different combinations of you know, you being in Fargo and me being in Fargo, you being in Sioux Falls, me being in Fargo. But now, I think this is the first time ever that we have recorded both of us physically in the state of South Dakota. Yeah, I think what happened was I accused you of being similar to Coach K and only playing home games. John Shire's predecessor. And refusing to ever play a road game. There you go. And uh, unlike Coach K, you decided to better yourself. Yeah. You weren't like, no, I'm just going to keep doing home games. We're going to do home and we're going to do home and home. Yeah. I'm engaged so now, I've, so I, I only have home games. I don't get to do the road game thing anymore. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I know someone else who does too. It's been an amazing. It's been an amazing couple days. Yeah, we've had we've had uh, we've had our share of upsets. We've had our share of chalk. We've had our share <laughs> of close games. We've had uh, we've had some. We've had. I wouldn't say a lot of blowouts. Um, but some. Evaluate evaluate the first three days of the tournament. What are your thoughts so far? I'm tired. I need a nap. Um, you're out of shape. You're not. In, um, you're not March uh, ready. No, it's been a lot of you load managed. I think it, too it, much throughout it, the season. It's been some good upsets, but like not too many upsets. Like. And it's weird to say that because the upsets we've had have been like as upsetty of an upset as you can get, like monumental ones. Yeah, huge. A 15 seed making the Sweet 16 already, a 16 seed defeating a one seed in the first round. Um, and so we will see if Purdue can bounce back and win a national title and um, you know do the do the Virginia thing. Um, but that's for next year, things. We're not going to talk about that right now. Okay, we're not looking at. Yeah, no. Um, so it is about. I see there's about six and a half minutes left in this Alabama game, which is the last game on Saturday evening. And we're going to be recording this in a two-part um, kind of thing where we're going to start with sort of the Thursday and Saturday games. Um, currently, at this exact moment in time, seven teams have punched their tickets to the Sweet 16 next weekend. And I think the most notable game today, Biggs, um, I mean – for, for our voting interest, um, watching Duke lose was amazing. Um, but I think we have to start with that Princeton team. Punch their ticket to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. Having a great second half in the first round against Arizona to pull off that monster upset. And was really like the first one, the first result where like a lot of people were tweeting out like, oh yeah, my bracket is busted now. Um, Nobody tweets that, right? Like everybody. Uh, no, I, I think people still tweet that. It, like if it wasn't the Virginia Furman game, it was that. It was the Arizona. Loser. What do you care less about? Other people's fantasy teams or other people's brackets? Um, I care less about fantasy teams because I don't play fantasy football. Okay, you, you care less about their fantasy teams. Yeah, I care less about it. That's that's always one of my favorite. I, I'm players. actually very concerned about people's brackets. To be quite honest, okay. yeah, yeah, because I think there's maybe I'm just like a nice one more perfect like bracket still left. Yeah, I'm just a nice guy like that. They need they need that update. Yeah. Um, 
I think the impressive thing about Princeton and that every time, every time, every like anytime anything about Princeton shows up, like every year, if Princeton goes <laughs> to the tournament, people talk about how they're hard to play against because they run that Princeton offense, and it seems like no matter who the coach is, uh, in by default setting, the Princeton offense is is run by Princeton. Princeton is running offense, so it's the Princeton offense. Right, yeah. But they play like that that funky style, right? It's a read and react kind of motion based offense where it's really continuity. Uh, they they make a lot of they have like smart basketball players. They're they're Ivy League dudes, so of course they're smart. Right. But there's but there's you know, you know what I mean? Like they're smart basketball players, high IQ level dudes. They're not super athletes. They're not your are they your grinder type guys? Then? Well, that's what I'm. That's what I think is the interesting misnomer is everybody always talks about how Princeton is going to be. They're hard to play against because of their offense. Well, they held Arizona to like, what was it, fifty-seven points? Something like that. It wasn't Ari- much. Arizona came into the. It was a grinded out game, which a lot of those games have been grinded out games. Like- that's that's the thing. They 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 played Arizona and Missouri yeah. in their two games, two of the highest scoring teams in the country, and they held them both to like. It was fifty-nine, fifty-five, and then seventy-eight, sixty-three today. So Arizona, they held Arizona to almost thirty points below their season average. Yeah. And Missouri scored sixty-three. They came in averaging just under eighty. So they are they're turning these teams into like slow it down, grind it out games. I think that's the more impressive thing is like if, if they can defend at that kind of level, it's not like it's not like they came out and knocked down seventeen threes. Yeah, you know what I mean. There wasn't like a fluke. Like they just they d up. I mean that Missouri game. What was it? A twelve point game? Weren't they up by? Yeah, they but, and, and like it wasn't even close. Ever. It was a it was a it was a double figure game yeah. most of the second half. It wasn't so, even close. It's like. It almost felt like watching North Carolina play Virginia. It's like maybe not even that. They squeeze the life out of right, games. Right, exactly. I think, with their tempo. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's but it's but honestly though, is this is it even news? I mean, this is the third straight tournament. We're gonna have a 15 seed get to the second weekend. Is this just the new norm? Is this the new norm? And I guess let's say it is. Why is it the new norm? <laughs> I think it's just because, and I hate to admit this, because uh, me and a friend of mine have like the LeBron MJ debate like every year. But over time, players have gotten better to where now there's just a higher quantity of the better players to where if you put an artificial number where it's like your number one team in the country, let's just say they're the 100th percentile. And then 10 years ago, maybe the 100th best team is like 70th percentile. But maybe now that 100th best team is now like the... 20th percentile. You know what I mean? Or, or 80th that was, percentile. That was a lot of percentile but, words yeah. and a lot of math. I, I think yeah. I get the idea. But the talent like, level like, is deeper now like than it the, has Like been. the floor has been risen in college basketball as a whole. The 100th best player 10 years ago would now be like the 200th right. player. The 150th yeah. best player. or Something like that maybe. Is that kind of... Yeah. And there's I hope, more talent I hope there. this person isn't listening to this part because he's going to think that I'm, I'm like conceding the LeBron debate, which I'm not. Um, MJ's way better. So, But so. that doesn't mean that players i mean players should get better evolution right players are bigger faster stronger we have more resources we have more data we know how to train smarter well, it's like there's an award like, named after bob Cousy in the nba people should be better now than they were 10 years ago otherwise what are we doing yeah like there's that award after bob Cousy, but have you seen like some of the highlights of him no it, it looks like a circus act watching him play really yeah it's ridiculous yeah see so you're probably right about this and how much i mean there's probably some if you're making a pie chart certain percentages of it x percentage is probably the uh the transfer portal yeah right high-end teams now number one the number one team that they beat purdue had two freshmen starting yeah you know part of that is because the freshman guards last or for the guards for purdue last year left early but they should be loading up you know 
as but, well. But a lot of these schools, do, I mean, they load up, but they load up on freshmen. Yeah. And so freshmen have to play earlier, or or these teams load up with transfer portal guys who are mid-major kids who just don't have that <coughs> high-octane level talent. So those lower schools, like a Princeton, lower, I mean, like the lower major level teams, I think there is more continuity. There's more basketball IQ rather than, than necessarily, you know, quote-unquote athlete. Like, they mm-hmm. don't out-athlete you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, though. I mean, we've seen two 16 seeds now. It took a 16 seed forever to, to beat a one. I don't know how many years the tournament's been around. It's been forever. And now we get, just five years later, another one. So it feels like this is going Amazing. to start becoming a, I don't know, what is regular occurrence? Maybe one, one, one a decade? That sounds like yeah. a lot. Yeah, it does. So, yeah. yeah I'm great, here for it. Though. Great stuff. I'm here for the chaos. Great stuff. Um, I would say the biggest story of Saturday, I'm recording this on a Saturday. Uh, it's almost Sunday, though. It ha- has to be Kansas going down. Yeah. that's a, Kansas was, up until Selection Sunday, Probably, I guess, if, if Selection Sunday would have been Selection <laughs> Saturday or Selection Friday, I don't even know why necessarily Kansas. Kansas, no, they didn't win the Big 12 championship. Um, but there was a lot of talk that they should have been the number one overall seed because mm-hmm. of all of the quad all one of wins. the quad one wins. They, they had a ridiculous number of quad one wins. They don't get the number one overall seed, uh, and now they bow out in the second round. And it's weird watching that. Like, they seem to be in control during the first half. And Arkansas, credit to them who they seem to have battled a lot of injuries this year. And they seem to be not fully healthy, but as healthy as they've been in a long time. And so it's kind of a scary team where, you know, North Carolina wasn't ravaged by injuries last year, but, like, they made a run last year as an eight seed. And maybe Arkansas is that team this year. They played incredible. That Jordan Walsh... Um, you know, kind of emerged today. I, I shouldn't say emerged, but you know, he really showed his grit on the defensive side of the ball. And you know, I think he chipped in with like ten or twelve. I want to say, um, so he played very well. Um, Devo Davis, like every other possession, it seemed like he was making a big play offensively. He had a monster second half. Yep. I mean, he's had a. I, I feel like he's had a good second half of the season for them. And he's probably one of the guys that really benefits. So did he? From... Did he have good second halves of games during the first half of the season? No idea. I don't remember okay. individual games from him, but I, I do remember him playing well. And, and he's a guy who's benefited a ton, I think, from, like, Nick Smith missing so much time. I mean, Nick Smith sitting – I mean, Devo Davis probably going into the year was looking at, hey, you're probably our first guard off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, 20 minutes a game. You're still going to play a decent amount, but it's, but it's Nick Smith and Anthony Black's team. And because Nick Smith's been out so much, even now, like, he came back and then he's gotten hurt again. And, I mean – I don't know what Nick Smith did today, but it didn't feel like he was real all that involved. Devo Davis has kind of taken the team, and it feels like, you know, and the other guy that, that it seems like started out the year really, really hot for them, Ricky Council, has actually kind of, uh, he, he now comes off the bench and Devo Davis starts. But but those two guys yeah. were were terrific. I mean, Council was, uh, you know, his efficiency number, I don't know. Yeah, he, he had a lot. He had 21 points on 18 shots. Yeah, but and like d- down the stretch, he was awesome. Like yeah. he was definitely the guy they were giving the ball to, making the plays. But I think those two guys have – I mean, it just kind of seems like they've settled into the role. And Musselman, I think, is a coach who he, – he definitely is as much as any coach. He coaches like an NBA coach in that he finds he finds the mismatch. He, he knows who his best players are, and he will relentlessly go to that. He's not running some sort of democratic system where everybody gets the ball and everybody gets touches and, and we do this. 
it, it's not we're, we're giving it to our dudes and our dudes are going to carry us we're going to dance with the ones that, that brought us um and i mean he's had i mean the tournament success that that guy's had now in in recent years i mean back to the days at nevada he's had good runs and they've gone to the elite eight twice in his two years at arkansas and now they're back into the sweet 16 you're right with a team with with the level of talent they have i don't know what the deal is with nick smith but maybe they don't even need Nick Smith to be what Nick Smith, I guess, was dubbed to be. You've got Anthony Black, who's pretty good. You've got Devo Davis. You've got Council. Um, Council. And, and then they've got just kind of some grinder like like Walsh, and, who was the uh, who's the foreman for them, who just bitches and moans about every single call. I can't remember what that guy's name is. The big guy Mitchell. Uh, no, they got Kamani Johnson. Yeah, Kamani Johnson. Like they've got guys who just kind of who just kind of work yeah. out there. So. Yeah, I mean, why why can't Arkansas yeah. continue this thing and keep it going? Yeah. And then looking forward, I see they play is that the St. Mary's UConn one? The other one yeah, they'll play the winner of St. Yeah. Mary's UConn. Okay. And as we're watching this, Alabama's just opening up an eighteen point lead late. Yeah, they've they've run away with this thing, yeah. and, and they they just they're just better. Yeah. Um, Who's been the best team so far through three days? Who's been the most impressive to you through three days? Yeah, it's tough to say because like. I've got two, like some teams. I have two games to measure them on. Some is just one. Who's I guess who's the new? Who do you have the? You went into the tournament. You said Houston was probably the they're, favorite. They're you, my pick. You I mean, them. Would you yeah. still pick them if you could read? Bama has been extremely impressive. Yeah, and obviously they play a 16 seed the first time around, which you expect them to win. But like we found out recently, Biggs, it's not a guarantee anymore. Not at all. Um, but no, they are kind of like Maryland is 47 points. That's Under three what, minutes left in the game here. I think that's what scares me about Bama is I feel like they can win, they can win ninety two to eighty seven. Yeah, they can also win a game in the fifties. Like yeah. they they can lock in defensively. Unlike some like some of these teams, like like Tennessee cannot win a game eighty two to eighty. Yeah, they have to win in the fifties. Well, and then it's also like you said earlier, um, before I think it must have been Thursday's game. You said before that they had two guys averaging double figures, and that's it. And part of that is one of those guys averages close to 20. So it leaves less points for others. But, you know, we've said it before, Biggs, and we'll say it again here. They're, outside of Brandon Miller, they're very Florida State-y. Yeah, they've got a bunch of dudes. And, I mean, Quinterly, it feels like, started the year really bad. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you watched the Carolina game way back in the day. They, they were giving the ball to Quinterly, and he looked awful. Yeah. Like, there are moments where it's like, what the hell is this? And, like, I guess that's not surprising, considering he was coming back from injury. It feels like he's all the way back. Mm-hmm. So his season number isn't as you say that he's like doing his jelly fam stuff. Yeah, like yeah. his his season number isn't like great. It's like eight and a half points a game. Yeah. But I feel like I bet you if you were to look deeper into the stats and look at the last ten games, the second half of the season, I bet he's coming on when he's got twenty two in this one. That gives them another kind of dynamic creator. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was worried about Bama late down the stretch of the season. It felt like for such a good team. They were weirdly reliant on Brandon Miller to bail them out of a ton of games. Like, he had to be amazing. Um, if Quinterly is get back to being, you know, a legitimate scorer, and you've got Sears and Betty Yako solid. Like, they've got a bunch of role guys who fill their roles really well. Yep. But if they have another guy that they don't have to rely on Brandon Miller dropping 30, yep. they're, man, I do think they've been the most impressive team yep. in the tourney so far. Yep. And then I could very well see a, a one versus two, not not one seed versus two seed, but number one overall seed versus number two overall seed. Bama-Houston? Yeah, national championship. I know 
Houston was did they struggle in their first game a little bit? Yeah, they, they won they, by they, like they, they didn't won they by like, won by like ten. Yeah, exactly. But then today they come out, and I do wonder how much um, Marcus Sasser's uh, growing, as GP would say, is bothering him. Um, but they were able to pull away late today. Um, Tremont Mark had an incredible performance, especially in the second half. Yep. You left for like you went to go upstairs for like a three minute stretch, and he had like six points in that three minute stretch, and kept it going afterwards. And I think. The 26 points he had, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, he's just the mid-range king. Yeah. He was and like DeMar DeRozan, just working the mid-range. Yeah. And, you know, I talked about it last week where it's like, yeah, they have, you know, they basically swept the conference awards this year, and they just have guys who fill certain roles, and they do it very well to the point where Tremont Mark, I, I remember how I said, like, they had five guys have five awards? And he was Tremont the one Mark, who didn't. Tremont Mark had nothing, and he was probably the most important player today. Yeah. Um. So it just shows how deep they are and how 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 many ways they can just beat you. Yeah, I was worried. I'll be honest. I mean, I was worried the first half of that that Houston Auburn game. I was like, this doesn't look like Houston to me. No. Uh, this looks like a team that they look like a team that's used to be like the favorite. Um. Like Houston's always. I feel. I felt like played like an underdog. Like, and I'm talking like the last like five years here. They've always had just kind of this gritty grinder kind of toughness style about them they play like an underdog you know what i mean they wear you down and play like a third line grinder plays in hockey it is 41 31 at halftime do you know what the score in the second half was i know deep into the half auburn only had like 15 points did they get to 60 it was 50 to 23 in the second half they dominated the second half it really did wow one of the 27 that is that is something else i'd be curious to see what their shooting percentage was just in the second half well, I know Auburn. Auburn was like god awful. I mean, there was one point where they were like two of twenty something from the field and twelve of maybe twenty five from the free throw line. Yeah, and they're complaining about everything, but uh, every foul call they're complaining, and they never complain about missing free throws. So that's kind of weird to me. Yeah, they should. They should have done like the too small to the rim, being like you're too yeah. the, the cylinder right now is too small. I can't fit do the basketball like in this, there. So probably yeah. They, they should, they should, this needs to be like, for do, a like, video a pod. With hands. Yeah. yeah. Good call. Yeah. Anyways, um, but no, very impressive. And yeah, like I said, I would not be surprised if it's those two meeting up, um, in Houston, home game for Houston. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's do like just the whip around some of these other games. UCLA yep. beats Northwestern in something of a something of a barn burner. Texas beats Penn State in a game where Penn State takes a late lead, but then Texas closes yep. on a good run. Uh, let's see. San Diego State worked uh, Furman. Furman early to to kick off things. Tennessee dispatches Duke in a in a defensive kind of slugfest. Yep, I think that's all. I think that's the rest of them. Is that all of them? Yeah. Thoughts on some of those then? Um, I think we have to at least touch on not the San Diego State win, but at least the Furman result. The the, the first day of the tournament where that was just an incredible finish and insane. Kihei Clark with, I I seriously do think that like he thought maybe there's like two seconds left on the clock and he did the thing where you just throw it up in the air and then like the time expires as it's in the air or something. Maybe I feel like that. I haven't heard could his, be I haven't it. heard him. I haven't read any of the transcripts or anything like from the interviews and stuff. No. But I'm curious what the what his thoughts were. But like, not that curious, I yeah. guess, because I haven't looked it up. Yeah, they had a timeout. Yeah, um, fifth year senior who is someone who had before that the most notable. I mean, still the most notable pass in Virginia history that Elite Eight game years ago to before they won the national title. Um, after the year after losing to a 16 seed. Um, in the first round as a one seed. Do you know what happened the year after that? Uh, the tournament was canceled. Global pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Crazy run. Yeah, and then since then, they've lost to a plethora of 13 seeds. 
Including Furman. Consecutive tournament. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was a, yeah. I mean, that was just like an absolutely wild way to kick off the tournament. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was like the second game starting, but I mean, it was, that a was like crazy... the first big result. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And it, I think it was just, it's not that Virginia lose like a 13 beating a four no longer even really counts as, well, it doesn't even feel upset. like it counts as an upset, but it was just that if you were to make a list of guards in the tournament who you would want the ball in their hands with 10 to 12 seconds left, salting away a lead, yep. Kihei Clark would be like one of the most trusted sure-handed guards yeah and yeah it's just it's weirdly poetic that it feels like his college career essentially got off the ground because of an absolutely incredible pass where he puts the money puts it right on the money for mom and e to key at dikite to get them into overtime against purdue in the elite eight which powers them to a national title kind of kind of like his kihei clark's announcement to the world right yeah. and it ends with um, the other side you know the other side of that coin it's it's uh it's crazy it's too bad he's been a he's been a heck of a player virginia has had a has had a weird run. I think you'd take it if you're a Virginia fan, though, right? Would you take a couple of weird runs for a for a, for a national title? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a that was a wild one, obviously. Yeah. Man, yeah. Think, there, there really hasn't been. There's been two monumental upsets, and other than that, though, it, nothing it, that you'd th- well, consider like, whoa, oh my goodness. I was that's looking a surprise. through just the bracket, so I see out of the seven teams now it's eighteen from eighteen. as the Bama one just went in final. But Arkansas is one that is not chalk. Um, San Diego State, I'm still going to call chalk, chalk, but 5-4. I think they would have beaten Virginia yeah. anyway. But, yeah. Print, but Princeton, not chalk. But the rest of them are. So that's 6 out of 8 if you include 5 as chalk. Yeah. And then going into tomorrow, there's the Florida Atlantic versus Fairleigh Dickens. That obviously won't be. But then 1, 2, 3... I think the re- the rest of them have the opportunity to all be chalk. Pretty close to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I've kind of liked it because we we've had the huge upsets, the hugest of huge, and yet we've also preserved potentially right. good matchups. The sanctity of the game the, into Sweet Sixteen weekend. Yes. Yes. Um. Let's see. There's three more games we could touch on: Duke, Tennessee. Um. You mentioned Penn State, Texas, Northwestern, UCLA. What one stood out to you the most? I think Tennessee over Duke just be not not necessarily even because it's Duke bowing out in the tournament early, but those two teams are headed in seemingly wildly opposite directions down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Tennessee was running on fumes, leaking oil. I thought they were doing that before Zakai Ziegler got hurt. Zakai Ziegler gets hurt with I don't know what a handful of games left. Tennessee is not looking good. They can't score. They they just look bad down the stretch. Duke on the other hand is ascending, a team that was disappointing for. The first three quarters of the season had seemingly had figured it out. They'd won, I think, 10 in a row, including a couple of, uh, of, of really impressive outings in the ACC tournament. And, you know, you got to think, obviously you've got to think like Purdue getting knocked out. You're looking at the winner of this now essentially gets a pass to probably the elite eight. They're probably going to play a nine seed or a 16 seed. You're thinking like the winner of this game has a trip to the elite. Eight. It's just setting up perfectly for Duke the way they've been playing. Then they um, and Tennessee just came out and just kind of punked them. Yeah. I mean, they just they just brought a physical style to the game. Duke scored fifty two points. They had twenty one in the first half. I think they had more turnovers than, than field goal makes. They made them uncomfortable, and that's 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 the recipe for Tennessee. They cannot win eighty two to eighty. They can't win a free flowing offensive kind of game. They have to grind it out. Kamwa Olivier Kamwa had the game of his life. He knocked down a couple of threes. He was he was just money in the middle of that yeah. Duke zone. 
Um, and he had a quote after the game saying something like, we, we're going to drag our opponents down into the mud, make them play our style. Um, yeah, it's, it, it was fun to watch. It's not a, it, they're not pretty, right? They're not going to be a beautiful to look at basketball team, but uh, I kind of like the, these teams just kind of grind it out with this tough defense and physical style. Uh, it, styles make fights in college hoops, and, and Tennessee is definitely willing to fight with anybody. Yeah. You mentioned Kama, 27 points on 13 attempts. Um, he was he was great. He knocked amazing. down a couple threes. Yep. And then uh, you know, going look, looking forward, it seemed they seem to have I shouldn't say a free pass to the Elite Eight, but they're they're, 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 they're set, they're set they up well. And yeah. then after that, I gotta think of the which bracket we're in here because that's the that's the Kentucky's, south Kentucky's that's the southwest bracket. Uh, yep. Um, Marquette's the two seed. Kentucky's actually favorable yeah, to Kansas like, State. And, like, you know, we always talk about – you started off the whole Frontiers thing. I've kind of adopted it. Um, this could be the year that may, they make the Final Four base. I'll just say right now. Well, absolutely. The bracket, yeah. I mean, the bracket's absolutely it's break. It's breaking for them. Without, I mean, we're doing this now because we, I mean, we haven't watched the games on Sunday yet. Right. But, but I mean, you know, the other side is Kansas State, Kentucky, Marquette, Michigan State. Like, this – this region is wide open. Mm-hmm, I would agree. And the two best teams have been taken out, I think, in that in yeah. Duke and Purdue. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. And they did one of them. And then let's see what else we got. Anything on Texas, Penn State, or Northwestern, UCLA? A couple of Big Ten teams that uh, push I know the you... higher seeded teams and just ultimately can't quite close the deal over you know better teams. Texas and UCLA are good two seeds. Yep. I know pushed you... and winning. UCLA, I had wondered what the effects of the Jalen Clark injury would be. Um, they seem to be playing very well still. Um, chances are they will play Gonzaga next, or unless Gonzaga loses, so we'll see um, how that goes. But you know, they they don't really seem to be missing a beat here. Um, so they're 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 another one who could make another like a nice little run here. Um, Texas, you know, they seem to be up the mo- majority of that game, and then Penn State had taken the lead, kind of. Was it like five minutes left, maybe? And then, yeah, they were able to recover from that. So I think that says a lot about their being able to handle a little adversity there. So I think that's cool. I think what you you see with both those teams is just really good guards. Mm -hmm. Good guards are experienced guards. I mean, Marcus Carr, Serge Jabari Rice, Tyrese Hunter are are good guards for Texas. They can control the game. They make sure, even when a team goes on a run, like Penn State did, Texas doesn't have, like, it doesn't feel like they pee down their leg. It didn't feel like they had like wild, bad possessions, they get good shots. They don't always make them because they're college basketball teams, but it seems like they, they, they get good possessions. They, they end their possessions with good shots that they want. Um, and I would say the same thing with UCLA. UCLA just strikes me as a very under-control team. Tiger Campbell is one of the best point guards in the tournament, especially when it comes to setting the table, kind of controlling tempo, making sure the right guys get the right touches, I think Amari Bailey's coming into his own here lately. He's been playing a lot better after a slow start to his season. I don't think the Jalen Clark injury hurts them as bad as a lot of people think. I, I, I think they're going to play Tiger Campbell a ton. Bailey's going to play a ton. Singleton's going to play a ton. Jaime Hawk is going to play a ton. So, like, those those guys are just not going to come off the floor now. And I think some of their young guards are starting to maybe they, – they've been playing a little better. Obviously, you take Jalen Clark off the floor, and that, that makes you less. But – I don't think if they get beat by somebody in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, whenever they lose, I won't think of it as they're a Jalen Clark away from winning. I, I really don't. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they, I mean, they, it just kind of feels like they were business as usual, them and Texas, right? There just yep. wasn't a lot to say about. Mm-hmm. 
Um, trying to think. So we have a couple of Sweet 16 matchups already set. Some of them have to be determined still by Sunday games. Starting with the with the top left, Bama San Diego State. I know we've talked we've talked about Bama. We talked a little. There wasn't really much to say about San Diego State just because they they cruised. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that matchup? I think Bama, like San Diego State's kind of like I think we talked about them being kind of like this year's Texas Tech, where a lot of big guys, a lot of uh, defensive players, but I think Bama just has too much firepower for them. Um, is that really the only one that is set already? Decided. Yeah, I suppose. I think it is. I kind of wish they would go like Thursday, Saturdays, two different regions, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, but that's just simple mindedness in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of wish that would happen. But no, I think you know, projecting forward, I think Bama is going to win that, and then you know, we don't really have any other. Is that the only Sweet Sixteen yeah, matchup? We've yeah, and got then oh, Bama, the rest of Bama versus Baylor or Creighton that would be fun. Yeah, I think so too. If assuming if assuming the, everything holds, assuming they beat the uh, calculator nerds at Princeton. Who do you think can beat? Like, what style of play do you think beats Bama? I've been thinking about this because Bama does look, I think, to be the best team. They're the one number one overall. It, it has to be the like tough them up. It has so, to be like a Tennessee over Duke yeah, type of where yeah. you rough them Which, up. Which, ha- like, how did those Tennessee Bama games go to? Tennessee beat them. Yeah, I believe they did. They beat Just, them twice. Did they only play once? Maybe I don't remember if the SEC does a double round robin. I know, I know, one of their wins was a game right after on our pod. We talked about how shitty Tennessee is, and then. And then they beat Bama. It was like 58-54, you know, something like that. So, so Well, there you go right there. You know, I, th- I, I do think that's the formula. I think San Diego State can execute that formula. but Yeah, because they're on the same side of the bracket, so that would be like a Final Four matchup if they met. Right. Yeah. But I, I think San Diego State, if you're if you're San Diego State, you're watching that Tennessee game saying, all right, this is the, what we the, have to do. This is what we got to do. Yep, yeah. we have to play uncomfortable. We have to get in their shorts. We have to make them feel us. Uh, and we got to hope. Basically, they fold like Duke did today against Tennessee. But at the same time, a year ago, we were having the same conversation conversation that, hey, Texas Tech could be that team that could out-tough Duke, and then Duke ended up winning that game. Right, and, but, so, I, but I think that was the only way Texas Tech was going to beat them, was, right. was yep. playing that way. Yep. So, yeah, we'll see. It's been a, it's been a good tournament so far. We'll, we'll have more, obviously, when... Um, oh, well, when I, have a question. I have a question, as I just saw that thing on the TV. Uh, over, under, 0.5... More times that Eric Musselman will take his shirt off. Can you go back to the well again <laughs> if they, assuming they'll play like they'll play UConn or St. Mary's? Yep. Um, we don't know yet because we're doing this on Saturday night. Yep. And so the, the second half of this pod will complete a lot of the incomplete thoughts that we've got. Yeah, we can get into a lot more matchups on the second half of this pod. Yeah, we will be able to. Yep. But. Do you think he goes back to the well if he's beating the four or five seed instead of the one seed? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm gonna say Absolutely. I'll take the over then. I bet you they win their next game. Okay. Even though I don't think I don't know. We'll see. Depends. I, it depends on the matchup. I think if it's one team, I think they'll win. If it's another team, I think they'll lose. Yeah. Actually, no. I don't think they're going. I'm going under. <laughs> You're That's my official pick now. My official pick is under. Okay. I think they'll lose in their next game. I don't care who they play. Okay. I'm going push. Pick one. No, it's a half. He can't take his shirt half off. Oh, uh, shoot. Over under. I'll take the over. Okay. I want to be different than you for good radio. I like that, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think that covers the first part of this pod here. We uh, got through a lot here. So, we'll be back on the other side of this um, tomorrow. Just in, but, a sec- in a second here, really. Yeah, in a second. But tomorrow, but also before this ever gets released. So, uh, That's right. see you then. So, like, in a second.
All right, Biggs. In our listeners' minds, we're only one or two seconds off of where we just ended, but actually, we're th- two. We're closer to three days than we are to two after where we just ended. So, how do you feel after the last almost three days of action, but not all action? Sad because yeah. I haven't watched basketball in a a, a while, yeah. and sad that. You're no longer, um, you know, like a foot and a half away from me. I'm no longer getting lost in your in your actual eyes. I'm having to I'm having to look deeper into the computer screen to find them. There you go. You know, so because we're not we're not we're not together anymore. And um, you know, don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. But I'm still a little sad that it's over. That's you true. know how uh, how is how is Big Dog taken to only having one human there to toss him a tennis ball repeatedly? You know, he only, he, he, you know how, like, we, we like to think, like, we don't see the world as black and white. Like, I, I don't see race. Like, I don't think he even sees that. I think he literally just sees arms to throw his tennis ball. <laughs> he doesn't even notice. He's just like. So, there's, so there's, there's, so there's two less arms and like the arms that are remaining are a lot smaller than the ones that left. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. They're tiny, but you know, <laughs> they're active. Yep. But no, Biggs, it's sad we didn't get to watch Sunday together. So I think the best place to start, start off here, Biggs, is not even with one of those Sunday games. It's with one of the Friday games in that we had the second ever time a 16 seed has beaten a one seed. However, it's the first time ever that a 16 seed has beaten the one seed that is not the number one overall seed. So history was made. Um, New to fairly different. Fairly Dickinson. And it's kind of interesting where you know, I'm kind of looking at the roster, and I know I had heard people talk about this, but looking at the roster, their tallest player, Fairly Dickinson, 6'7". Their tallest rotational guy that actually played on last Friday is 6'6". Zach Eady is nine inches taller than that. And they did an incredible job of just basically swarming him. It kind of is I, I hate to bring up North Carolina all the time. It's reminiscent reminiscent of how Virginia always guards Baycott or whoever the post players for North Carolina, where ball goes in the post, they just swarm it and basically forced Purdue to try and rely on their guards, and it didn't work. They were 19% from three-point range, uh, 35% from the field. Mason Gillis, one of seven from three, and Braden Smith, one of six from three. Um, and I think we, I think we kind of had this idea where that could happen, where if Purdue had to rely on their guards or AKA everyone, but Edie, that something like this could happen. And it did. Yeah. That's what's, I mean, that's, what's amazing about this is Florida Atlantic. I mean, I don't remember what they shot, but it like, wasn't good. Fairly Dickinson or fairly Dickinson. Yeah. Fairly Dickinson didn't shoot. It wasn't like they came out and shot the lights out. 38%. Yeah. They say they shot under 40% from the field. So um, they they won it by you know, nothing felt fluky about it, right? They didn't come out and bomb away a ton of a ton of threes or or force a ton of turnovers. They they just they defended their butts off, and the issues that Purdue had popped up around two rounds, three rounds earlier than yep. than we thought. Like the fatal flaw in this Purdue team is that they do not have another uh, go to score. They don't have a guard who can generate offense for them. And it's not even at like a, not even at like a Carson Edwards level. I mean, he was amazing, right? A few right. years ago, he was terrific. Jaden Ivey level. He was, he was really good. They, they don't even have a guy 
you know, in, in, in like that next level, that's just like a, I don't know, uh, Marcus Carr, you know, somebody who's like solid, right. like doesn't have to be like incredible. Maybe, maybe he's on the high end of that. Texas is a second or third guy, even, you know, some, I'm just, they don't even, they don't have that. And they didn't have that. And that just killed them. And you're right. Zach Eady still had a, a monster game. People mm-hmm. want to complain about Zach Eady. Um, that guy still had like 25 and 15 or something. Yeah. He? 21 and 15. My God. Uh, but he only, on on he only 11 it. shots. 11 uh, shot attempts. Gosh, that's, he, he needs to do better next time, Biggs. I think that's what's amazing is they they tried getting him the ball. I mean, late in the game, you could tell Purdue guys, they they don't run good offense sometimes or they stopped running good offense because they almost try to get the ball to Edie too much and none of their guys wanted to shoot. They they told they they noted it on the broadcast. Nobody wants to shoot the ball right now. They all stare at Zach Edie too much. And I think part of that was probably hurting them and that, you know, you see teams that try to run the like their offense through their big guys, they almost forget that they're allowed to play basketball because they're just sitting there staring at trying to get the big man, the ball. You know what I mean? Like you'll see a guard look at for three, four seconds. They're trying to throw it to the big man. They're like, okay, pass it around. And then, but but like at the, but while he's like looking down low for three or four seconds, it's like his guy's so far sagged off. He could have just shot the three. Yeah. But they don't, but they don't run. They don't run any offense. Like nobody set a screen for ED. Nobody, there, there was no sort of misdirection. It was just try to dribble down the floor Person A tries to throw it to Edie, he doesn't get it, throws it to person B. Person B tries to throw it to Edie, he doesn't get it, throw it to person C. Like they were they were sagging off of Edie so much and and nobody else was really doing anything. So um I don't know, whatever. But yeah, so I I'm curious what the what the Purdue odds are on on uh, on national title favorite next year. <laughs> Put in a bet right now. It's got plus no, would it be minus? Is it minus when you're the favorite? I think so. Yeah, minus one thousand. So plus one hundred to win a thousand. No, I don't. Who knows? I don't either. I don't really understand it. Yeah, but I, I understand it when it's a plus. I think it's a, if it's like plus eight hundred, that means you'll um you'll win eight times your bet if if it pays out. Well, then what about in the individual games when it's minus one ten? That is um, you're speaking to like the spread. Um, yeah. Basically, you'll get slightly less than what you put in. Okay, so I put in a hundred. It's like it's a set, I, I want to say like back. The, like the one ten, like the ten that's above a hundred. Essentially, is like the house. That's what they keep if you win. Okay, because that's how Vegas makes money, Biggs. Right, is that the house? Hundred percent. So yeah. if they're plus, if they're plus eight fifty, you put in a hundred, you get eight fifty. Eighty plus eight fifty. Yes. Yes. Sweet. Okay. Biggs is doing math in his head because, like, he must have put a bet on someone who's plus eight fifty. No, no, I'm just that's the number that just kind of came. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> sounds good though. But I'll yeah, throw it, throw the house down on Purdue. Perfect for twenty twenty four. What year are we in? My gosh, twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, the twenty twenty four national champion. Your Purdue yeah. Boilermakers. Perfect. Uh, let's see, so going forward, Fairleigh Dickinson. I would say they went from. Not Dickinson to very much Dickinson at the end of Friday evening. Um, back to kind of Dickinson in the first half against um, uh, Florida Atlantic. And then second half, they took the lead. So they were um, all the way Dickinson. Um, but then Florida, <laughs> I'm getting myself lost in this. Florida Atlantic came back, won the game. So then they were zero Dickinson. Dickinson. Zero Dickinson. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, fun run. And then their coach left for Iona. 
<laughs> oh, did he? Yeah. I did not hear that. That's that uh, down on today, which is Tuesday. So he's following in Rick Pitino's footsteps. Yep. Uh, let's see. What was so, so obviously like that game wasn't too much to talk about from Sunday. Like the big, the big thing with that one was the Friday game. What was your big favorite game? We'll say from Sunday. My favorite game from Sunday. I, don't I mean, how do you game. how do you go against the Kentucky Kansas State one? I mean, that was uh, that was back and forth. It went down went down to the wire. We saw Kentucky go down, which was it felt like one of those classic like Kentucky is an easy team to kind of root against, you know, because because they have such a big brand and and they are, you know, you talked about the or I've heard a lot of the reference to the David Goliath kind of thing with the Purdue being a literal Goliath, Zach Eady. But that's kind of the the same thing with the Kentucky brand versus Kansas State. Maybe I'm minimalizing uh uh, Kansas State's brand a little bit, but th- there's no comparison, right? I mean, Kentucky is basketball royalty. It's one of the biggest brands in the sport. They win all the time. And even though they were a six seed against the three seed, they were the favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just super fun. And and obviously Marquise Noel is the complete opposite of all these big guys, the year of the big man in college hoops. And it's a five, eight maestro point guard who just puts on a clinic. Um, I don't know. That was, that was super enjoyable to watch. I'm trying to remember some of the other Sunday games. There were a decent amount of, of, did you, um, did you watch the entirety of the Gonzaga game? I did. Okay. I did. That was a good one as well. That was yep. competitive. I, I watched until about 18 minutes left in the second half. And then I was like, I have to go to bed. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't hang. Yeah. Um, I, I tried. Yeah. I, I want, you to know, I tried. That's that. You know what? That's impressive. Then yeah. I, I, Thank I, you. Commend I appreciate you. that. I appreciate I commend that. you for the effort. Yes. Um, yeah, I did. I watched that one and, and it felt like while it was competitive, there was a stretch where Gonzaga just kind of stretched it to to eight or ten, probably about halfway through the second half, maybe a little later into the later into the second half, but it, it never really got super close after that. I think TCU got it maybe to like four with maybe a couple minutes left, and Gonzaga came right back down, gave it to Timmy, and he scored, and that was kind of all she wrote. So that was a good one. I think the Kentucky Kansas State one has to be my pick, though. I'm trying to think of some other ones that really got me. Indiana, Miami really wasn't. That was back and forth. For my, Miami kind of pulled. Then, Miami really pulled away at the end. Um, yeah, Indiana they, did not have a response for their guards there. That's right. Um, they looked good. They looked good. Baylor Creighton, I thought would be an awesome game, and it was really just Creighton looked clinical. I mean, they looked. Whoa, they whoa, looked whoa, whoa. Ba- ba- Baylor Shireman playing against himself. Yeah. Okay, that's no, weird. Ba- no, no, his name is Shireman, not Creighton. Oh, wait. I'm confused now. Ah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. No, that was a good game, too. Um, yeah. But Cre- Creighton kind of – they kind of pulled away um, early, pretty early in the first half there and just kind of – it's kind of just a steady, like, 10- to 12-point game. It didn't ever seem yeah. like it would, would ever be in doubt. No. Which it wasn't. Which it, it wasn't. Like they in circles around them, kind of. Yeah. Um. But I'm looking at the stats here. Nemhard, 30 points that game. Damn. He cooked them. Did work. Yeah. And yeah, they're looking good so far. They're a six seed. Um, because they're in that they're in that Bama region, but they're on the other side. I wouldn't mind a Bama Creighton game. Oh, or absolutely. No. Yeah, that's that's the right region. Yeah. But that means so Creighton then plays. Who do they play next? Princeton. Princeton. Oh yeah, they they'll be in the Elite Eight. Sorry, Princeton. Maybe. So what else do we have here? I know 
UConn St. Mary's. That was another one where it's just like UConn had a, just a steady ten to fifteen point lead throughout. Uh, yeah, it, it yeah. never seemed so, to be be in doubt at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan State Marquette. That was uh, that was one that didn't surprise me at all. Michigan yeah. State is they've got good guards. I think we mentioned we talked about Michigan State very early in the year, and I said in a season that is going to be everybody's going to talk about all the big guys. These Michigan State guards, I think, are going to are going to take take this team pretty far. Yep. And while they didn't probably have the season from December through March that I thought they would, I mean, you just look their roster; they are built really well for like a one game kind of situation like this. They've got really good guards. They've got nice balance on their team. They kind of are like they're a little bit like Creighton and Xavier in that. They don't have a lot of guys after like their top six are really good. Mm-hmm. It feels like you know exactly what you're getting with their top six. And, and after that, it's like ah, it might get a little might get a little dicey. But in a tournament setting here, I mean the two guards that they've got on the floor, and Jade Nakins now is healthy. He's been a difference maker. They've got a squad and they can shoot, and they just kind of you know they always it's oversimplifying things with the ISO teams that are that are gonna bring toughness, but it felt like they were just tougher than Marquette. Yep. Marquette has had it easy all year. They've been one of the high-flying offensive kind of juggernauts all season. It just felt like they out-toughed them. They made them uncomfortable, and I'm really intrigued to see how Michigan State can do. And that was a that was an impressive win. Um, and and Tom Izzo is is probably the the coach with the most tournament success. Obviously, he's the the, the most tournament success. I think he's the only one with a championship at this point left in the bracket. But he's been, you know, he's probably the biggest name left in the tournament, you know, from a coaching perspective in college basketball, so much about the coaches. He's probably, I mean, him or Mark Few are probably the two biggest coaches left in the bracket. Yep. And then, yeah, I kind of like, kind of like what we're doing here, Pigs. We're kind of just doing a quick rip round because I, I do want to get into some weekend preview here. Absolutely. Um, and so we'll save some time for that. Uh, I think the only game we haven't really touched yet that Xavier Pittsburgh, and it kind of seems like the theme of Sunday was just, one team getting a quick 10 to 15 point lead and just holding it throughout the rest of the game. Cause that's another one right there. Yeah. They Xavier looked outstanding in the first half. I watched, I watched the first half. I didn't catch a ton of the second half just because they had such a big lead that it was like, well, I can kind of scoreboard watch the rest of this one, given how big a lead they got out to. So you'd know better uh, what the second half looked like than I would, but God, I mean, offensively, you saw it in the first half. They were just, they were whipping the ball around. They were cooking. Jack Nungy was getting wide open dunks. Um, who's the, who's the little whitey two guard from Belmont? Uh, Adam. Well, we, we don't say that. Kunkel. Kunkel. But, but Kunkel we don't say was, that. Uh, Kunkel was cooking from the three point line. But, I mean, I've talked about Xavier is like, if we were to do a, a college basketball, like league pass rankings, Xavier would rank right at the top for me. In, t- in terms of a watchability they are so fun to watch with how they with how they move the ball and how they pass. They share it. They've got guys who can shoot. Honestly, they look just as good without free, the who's the kid that the hunter who stepped in for Fremantle. He's the Indiana transfer. Mm-hmm. He's he's not as offensively gifted as Fremantle, but they've got so many good players offensively that all he kind of has to do is like screen and roll to the rim and like he gets opportunities and easy buckets. He had like 25 in their first round game over Kennesaw, I think. And he's a way better defender than Fremantle. I mean, obviously you'd rather have Fremantle than not have him, but I don't think they've been set back as badly as I thought they would be when that happened. They they look pretty good. And 
their depth is obviously going to be tested here going forward. Like that's that's a thing that that's going to hurt them too. Is they basically have five, six guys, but boy, I mean, their their starting five is awfully good too. Yeah. All righty, let's uh let's shoot it over to the weekend here. Um, and I did want before we even get to that picks, I have an update for you. You may remember a year ago, um, I would periodically do updates on teams that are actually still eligible to win the national title. Um, because you have to be either top 20 or not either both top 25 in offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm and top 40 in defensive efficiency, top 40. Yes. I believe that's the, the, the correct amounts. So that's what I'm basing this off of. Can I, can I ask a quick question before you give me that? Yes. Teams can still move up and down the Ken Palm range. They can, right? they can. So okay. I'll, I'll, there's a couple I see that are right on the edge. Okay, so you, I'll, I'll okay, mention them. Say, as did you consider some of the teams in like yes. that? Did you have yes. a number where you're like, I'm not looking past this because you can't move up? Like if teams yep. like 70th, it's going to be really tough. Exactly. What number um, did you have in mind? Uh, there's one team that jumps out to me that is 30th in offense and 35th in defense. Do you want to get to that as you'd actually be surprised? 30th in offense, 35th in defense. Yes, because it's not a team that you think would be. N- close to being eligible for this national title. But they are a remaining team. Is it Michigan State? Florida Atlantic. Florida, yeah. I mean, they, well, they won 31 games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, so go well, over here tw- quick. Say it to me again. Top 25 and top 40? Yes. Okay. Yep. So the team's eligible. I believe I counted earlier. I think there are six. So I see... Yukon, Houston, Texas, Alabama, UCLA, Creighton. And so teams like the teams that are out, Tennessee, they're only 60th in offensive efficiency. Uh, San Diego, <laughs> they're San number Diego. one in defense, right? Yes, they are. Okay. And, and on the flip side, Gonzaga is number one in offense, but is number 75 in defense. Gonzaga's that bad defensively. Yeah, yeah. I did not know they were that bad. Yep. Uh, Xavier Z- Xavier is only sixty three in defense. Yeah, but although that number has come up, I, I yeah. think that number, without remembering what it exactly was, I think I bet you I I would love to know. I wish you could do the sort the data thing on on Ken Palm because I would love to know what they are since the Fremantle injury defensively. I feel like mm. they've come up twenty spots. Okay, but another twenty three in in a game or two is. That's yeah. tough to that's tough to believe can happen. Unfortunately, this is not Bartorvik. Um, I love to sort data on Bartorvik. It's one of my favorite. I things never to do. have. <laughs> I've heard good things. Yes, yes. Uh, Miami one hundred eight in defense. Um, they didn't look like that on Sunday, did they? No. Florida Atlantic. I mentioned uh, Michigan State is only thirty eighth in offense. Otherwise, they'd be in. That would surprise me too, because they can. They sure can shoot the ball. Yeah. Arkansas only 51th, 50, 50 51st, 51st in offense. Kansas That's State something. only 47th in offense. Who is? Kansas State. They're 47th in offense? Yep. That really surprised me. They were hanging like 90 and 100 on people at the beginning of Big 12 play. Wow. Huh. Yep. So there are six teams who can still win a Bigs, and the closest one is to, to getting into that list is actually Florida Atlantic. Who would have thunk it? So there's six, and they're kind of on the they're in they're in seventh, drift right on the cusp. Correct. Okay. Yep. So uh, let's get into the games here. Um, we'll start with Thursday. This is the East Region and the West Region, which I want to say is the 
bottom right and top left. Is that right? Or southwest and north? No. Yeah, the southeast, southeast is Gonzaga and yep. UCLA and UConn and Arkansas. Yep. And then I think the teams – is it the teams in New York tomorrow or is that Friday? I well, know – Tomorrow's Wednesday. Tomorrow's right Wednesday. Friday, Sunday. Nah, who cares? So we have in the, the east bottom, region. The bottom two. Yeah. Michigan State, Kansas State. 7-3 matchup. Florida Atlantic, Tennessee. Now, I'm, you know, you talked about the guards there. That guard matchup with that Michigan State, Kansas State is going to be electric. Yeah. And then flip side, Tennessee, Florida Atlantic. Tennessee obviously gets a big win against Duke last weekend. Um, a tough it out game. And it's I don't know how to feel. Like I could see like Tennessee has a history of just getting upset. So what if it's like they, they get your hopes up by beating, you know, a blue blood in the in the round of thirty two only to again be Frolanteri on Friday or on Thursday. Would you consider them being Frolanteri if they lose to a thirty one win? Thirty-three win. A thirty-three and three win team. I would consider them for all in theory to be a four seed to lose to a nine seed after beating Duke. Okay, so if they lose, no no matter what here, if they lose, they're for all in theory to you. Exactly. Yes. You just said Florida Atlantic though has the better chance to win the national championship. That is that is true. That is true. You are not. You're kind of doing the speaking out. Are you speaking out of one side of your mouth (laughs) and speaking out of the other side of your mouth? That's only according to Ken Palm though. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm just whoa, reading out Ken Palm's law. <laughs> I'm more of a Bartorvik guy. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fair. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying. To, uh, did you even ask a question? I don't even know. I usually just do like, "What do you think?" So I'll say that. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> I hate when you do that. I just said what I think. Guard matchup in the first game. Uh, Tennessee could be frontier still. What do you like about that? I mean, do you think Tennessee will be Frolanteri? Is there something about that matchup that I, I don't know what to make of Florida Atlantic sometimes? I mean, obviously they just beat a 16 seed in the second round, so it's hard to it's it's you know it's hard to gather a ton. But um, what do you, I mean? They 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 also we beat a lot your, of that Tennessee game. They beat your, your they beat your penny. They did. Yeah, I think I think the thing missing from years ago that Tennessee now has. I feel like Tennessee's never been like the you know beat you up and like out, out physical you. And like, you saw that right away. Like with, um, um, plot Plopsic, like just tossing elbows, put pushing flip up Philip Kowski to the floor. Like he set the tone right away. And it makes me wonder, like there's, I think it was, uh, was it Patrick Ewing years ago in the national title or someone like that, who basically got like two goaltends right away, but he kind of said it was on purpose. Yeah, that Ewing, and I that's kind so. that's kind of what I think about that Plovsic is like it's like yeah I'll just pick up two fouls, but it'll be to set the tone, so it'll be a, like it'll be a worthwhile two fouls. Sure, I'm just gonna come in yeah. here and goon it up and just let exactly. everyone know that I'm here. Exactly, we're here. Yep, kind of like uh, Theo John getting like five fouls in the first three minutes of the Final Four game a year ago. Oh, honestly, I mean Duke could have used a kid like that la- or on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, they could have. They could have. Yeah, you know. Um. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Tennessee undoubtedly plays with a level of physicality and toughness that it, it's really – it feels like one of those teams that even if you you don't really beat them, like you you survive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like obviously you, you literally beat them if, you, if, the, if you're able to outscore more points than them. But like a win over them doesn't really feel like 
you you're you're gonna beat them, you're, but it's you're, not gonna be like on your terms. Like yeah, you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're coming out of there with bru- you're coming out with bruises, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, you're you're gonna be you're gonna end the game. And you're gonna be like, oh god, thank goodness we got that one out of the yeah, way. Yeah, where, where, where's the ice bath? Yep. Um, I mean, I, and ten, I mean, that's gonna be a storyline here. I mean, Florida Atlantic. I know all the talk was about Fairleigh Dickinson being a really small team. I mean, Florida Atlantic's got one guy who's seven foot and Vladislav Golden who, you know, is a solid big, the rest of their rotation is essentially 6'2", 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". They're like, they're, they run a four-guard lineup. They're they're small. And so, I mean, Tennessee, without Sakai Ziegler, I mean, that automatically made them like an average of like a foot taller because he was obviously very small. But like, you've got Vescovy at the point. He's big. Uh, Jordan James now is playing more of like the two or the three. They got Meshack, who's big. Uh, Phillips is like six eight. Obviously, Plavchich is large. Com was large. Everybody in Tennessee's rotation is big and physical. So, like, it is it is going to be a big team versus a small team, and that that will be interesting. I mean, Florida Atlantic shoots at thirty seven percent from the three point line. They've got a number of guys who can shoot. I tend to think Tennessee will will be able to out kind of work the Florida Atlantic squad there, but um. I guess I wouldn't consider them frolanteery if, if Florida Atlantic beats them, though, just given that they've won 33 games. They've got wins over some good teams. If you had to, if I had to make a pick, I think I would take Tennessee just based on based on how, how, how strong they are defensively. And I don't know. I'm, 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 struggling, <laughs> to, I'm, struggling, I'm struggling to put together my thoughts on that one. Well, let's go to the other game then. I think I think you I think you evaluated it properly. Thanks. I, I thought of another example of Plavsic while you're doing that. So, there is a documentary on the Redeem team from like, I think it was like 2008 was the Redeem team, and yeah. it's the first. I don't, I don't know if it's the only time Kobe was on the team or the first time, but they're playing Spain, and they're in the locker room, and Kobe tells his teammates, he goes, "I know what play they're gonna run." And I'm gonna run Pal Pal Gasol over because at that time they're teammates in LA. That's right. Have you have you seen that? Yeah, I remember. Well, I remember that. I remember that deal. Yeah, like yeah. he was like, We're, we ain't we ain't out here to be friends. Exactly. And so, for, sure enough, first game, it's like a almost like a I want to say it was a fade screen. Pal Pal Gasol trying to screen for Koi Ryan's guy, and yeah, he's just crushed him. Runs his ass over. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Anyways, kids, that was kids these days are just soft, you know. They don't want to do something like that. Yeah, Kobe is so, just built differently. Yeah, hashtag built different. Yeah, I'm going to take Michigan State in the next one. I'm going to take Kansas State. Okay, I like the. I, I agree with you though. The guard, the guard battle between Marquise Noel. Um, I suppose you would consider like Desi Sills the other guard for Kansas State, but those Michigan State guards is it, it, it is. It's going to be a ton of fun. Something about Marquise Noel that I think nobody is talking about for some reason. It, well, not not for some reason. It's, it's is that he averages seven point eight per assists per game? He averages like five turnovers a game, though. Three point seven. He averages three point seven, but like as of late, you look at his like last like ten to fifteen games, he's consistently in like the four to seven turnovers a game range. Like he is turning okay. the ball over a ton. They play at a really fast pace, so like their turnovers. Um, you know, Virginia only turns it over like nine times a game because they only have 50 possessions. If Kansas state has 
75 possessions, they're naturally going to have more turnovers. So part of the part of the turnover issue isn't it's not as serious and it's not as backbreaking because they play at such a quick pace. I think Michigan State is going to slow them down. Okay. That is going to be their style. They're going to slow the game down. They forced Marquette into a ton of turnovers. And it's not it's not like a gimmicky VCU defense where they're where they're pressing and trapping. I think they just they have a way about they they play kind of like Tennessee without as much kind of their they don't puff their chest out as much about the we play physical kind of thing. But I think they just kind of play very tough. They're very engaged and locked in. I mean, watching them against Marquette the other night, that you just they're they're so connected. Like they just they look it looks clinical. And I think if they slow the game down and Kansas State has to play a slow kind of half court style game, I think that benefits Michigan State. I don't think Kansas State is disciplined enough. Um, I worry that Marquise Noel is going to have maybe a little. He's, it's going to get a little too big for his britches. And he'll, he'll put up points, but he, man, I mean, some of the shots he takes when they go in, you're like, damn, like this kid is the next Kemba. When they go out though, it's what the hell are you doing? And, and that's, I guess the line between victory and defeat in college hoops. Uh, I'm drawing on, on the side of the line that I think Michigan state is going to get the win because they're more disciplined. Uh, they're more, they're more tightened up. I think that one will be one of the more fun games though. All righty. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go to the other region there on Thursday. Um, we have eight seed Arkansas versus four seed UConn, uh, three seed Gonzaga versus two seed UCLA. That's probably that has to be the favorite game of the night right there. Yeah, it's starting with the Arkansas UConn one. So let's talk that one first. Yeah, Arkansas like they just seem to be trending up lately. They have so many ways they can beat you. We talked about um, like they have so many scores. Ricky Council, Anthony Black, um, Devo Davis had a great game on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Um, and then Jordan Walsh, who only averages seven points per game, was very good defensively for them. Um, and then on the flip side, UConn, they've kind of had an up and down year. They, if you remember, they were like, was it like their first 13 or something like that games. They won by double digits. Um, they have had stretches of five out of six losses, but then they kind of seem to have figured it out again. They've won, by my count, six, seven, nine out of the last 10. So they're, they're definitely on the right track again. Um, if you're making me pick here, I'd probably give the edge to UConn just cause I, I think they've, they figured it out. I think they figured it out. Um, Arkansas, they obviously beat Kansas last weekend, but I don't know. Could just be a flash in the pan type game. Um, so I'm going to give the edge to UConn here. I would agree with you. I remember early in the year, we were, we were talking, we were talking about this. Like UConn looks like early season UConn again. Yep. It feels like they were, there was a stretch in time there where they were just absolutely crushing people. I mean, they blew out, they blew out Alabama in one of their early season games. They beat Alabama by like 20. Um, they've got, they've got some really impressive wins on their resume and kind of like Creighton. It seems like they went through a lull, both, both big East teams, which is, which is odd, but like they both kind of went through a lull where it's like, God, what happened to the team we were just watching? Did they peak too early? And it feels like they, they peaked, and then they hit their valley, and now they're back kind of ascending again. I mean, you watch that UConn team, and, and it, that game against St. Mary's for a 4-5 matchup just did not seem like a fair fight mm-hmm. to me. That felt very much like a high major team versus a versus a mid-major team. You know what I mean? Like, they just they just look so much better. And I don't mean to say, like, St. Mary's, and St. Mary's is a good team. I mean, they, they just looked like they were operating on another level, though, and you watch them at times like like over the weekend it's just like how is this team a four seed so 
I, I'm with you. I like the way UConn looks right now. I love how much, how many different ways they can beat you. I mean, Adama Sanogo put on a show in their first game against Iona, and, and there are times where he doesn't even, he scores like six or eight points, and they're fine. Their, their backup center can come in and, and impact the game really highly. Jordan Hawkins can have games where he's dropping 25 or 30 points because he's coming off the of screens looking like uh, like Rip Hamilton from back in the day. <clears throat> their other guard, Tristan Newton, can occasionally just come out of nowhere and drop a triple-double on you. They've got three or four other guys that can really shoot it. I mean, the, the we've, we've said all of these things earlier in the season when this team was looking like the best one in the country, and it just kind of feels like you know what they are, where Arkansas – I, I I still hear people say like, man, Nick Smith. So, well, Nick Smith at zero. Yeah. Why is he even factoring into the the discussion right now? Like, yep. I, I don't even care about Nick Smith at this point. Like, he he doesn't give who, you who is Nick Smith. Right. 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 Exactly. He's a he's a prospect, is what he is. He's a prospect. Yeah. He's not he's not helping us in this moment of time. So, I feel like that win over Kansas was a little fluky. Um, you can never underestimate Musselman. I mean, he is a heck of a coach. I do like him. I think he's a better coach than Hurley, but yeah, I, I just tend to think UConn, I think UConn's going to bring it to them. And I, I think they've got too many good ways to beat you. Arkansas, I think can go through just, they go through spurts where they can't score. Sorry, I had to yawn there. <clears throat> All right, let's go to the other one. And like I said, this is the game of the night picks. Uh, UCLA, Gonzaga, Pac-12 tilt. Uh, two versus three. And I don't know what to think about this. You know, I mentioned earlier or like a week or so ago about UCLA and Jalen Clark. And I thought, you know, that could, that could, could affect them, but they haven't seen to skip a beat. Um, they're still getting production from a lot of different people here. And kind of like you said, like their answer to that injury is basically having their kind of like almost going to iron five type thing. Um, but just having like Tiger Campbell play more, having David Sing- Singleton play more and, you know, Gonzaga also, to their credit, very, very good. Um, you know, you don't you don't become 30 and 5 without being good. So they are also uh what a, my count here is 19 and 5 to 30, 11, 11 game win streak too. Um if I were to give it an edge to either side though, um this is a tough one. Yeah. I, I think we're gonna agree, disagree on this one, but I'm gonna go Gonzaga. Partially because I have a couple jelly beans on it. I I mean I pick Gonzaga in some of my brackets. Okay. A couple of factors. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You you said some of my brackets. Are you the person to fill out multiple ones? I mean I filled out, I filled out a couple. Yeah, I think okay. I actually have Gonzaga going every time over UCLA. So oh, wow. Um, do you still was, feel that way? Those bra- I was gonna say those brackets were done, you know, almost we could, a week ago at this point. So yeah, you know things change. Um. Yeah. UCLA is a two and a half point favorite. I don't know if that really matters a lot. I'm, I'm curious what people think. I'm looking at the, you know, when you click on, if you go to ESPN and you like click on the matchup, it will give you like a projection based on, you know, they have certain metrics where it's like a certain team is a percent chance to win. Mm-hmm. Um, For what it's worth, ESPN's little. 65%. Little pro- yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm surprised by that. Okay. That's I a, don't that think, seems- I don't think that's, I disagree with them. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I, I think I tend to think... I think I give UCLA a slight edge. I feel like that should be more like a 55-45 type 
52, yeah. 48. Right, right, exactly. Type of thing. I'd you say know? 55 is the highest you should go. The other thing that I'm not certain about, and maybe this maybe this ESPN thing isn't either, is David Singleton. Because he had yeah. a he had that pretty nasty ankle injury. Or it looked like a God. Google David Singleton right now. Do you get photos at the very top of your screen? Yeah, and I think I'm like how fat does he look in that I one say, photo? Yeah, we, I, I, I look at that, that photo together. He looks <laughs> really fat. If you click on it, does the article say David Singleton to play super senior year for UCLA men's? Uh, sport the Sports Illustrated one here. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, where he just looks like a fatty. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh shoot! I, I wish our listeners could this could see this. That's outstanding. Uh, no, but I'm curious. It says un- unlikely to miss time. Unlikely to miss okay. time. Okay, unlikely to miss time. Okay, so if he can play and he's like good to go, yep. then then I I do like I like UCLA's guards better than Gonzaga's guards. That's been my concern with Gonzaga all season long is just I worry sometimes about their guards. But kind of as, as you saw here the other night, Rasir Bolton was kind of invisible for for like the first half. You probably went to bed thinking, yeah, Rasir Bolton sucks. And Rasir Bolton ended up with like 15 points. Because... I, I think I saw him have a couple threes early on in the second. Maybe maybe I went to bed a little bit before 18 left on the, on the clock. Or okay. after that. After that. And he came back um, and he finished with 17. Okay. You know, Malachi Smith did the same thing. Invisible. And then all of a sudden he he pops off for 11. Like, this is the this is the thing that we had talked about a lot last, like earlier in the year is that. There's two halves of the game. They got a bunch of different guys that can potentially kind of break open, break open a ball game. Um, yeah, you know, I mean Nolan Hickman, he I feel like he just gives them a lot of nothing sometimes. Yep. And and sometimes, but but then sometimes he plays well. So their depth in terms of just the the optionality that they've got is pretty good. <clears throat> Man, I don't know. I'm I'm also I'm I'm also closing my eyes, and I can imagine Timmy giving giving our guy uh, Bona some work. You know, I can feel, I can see him. Timmy just seems like the guy that just kind of cooks freshmen. You know what I mean? Like with his, right. with his footwork, he'll just put him in the blender and he'll just pivot and pivot and pivot until he gets a layup. Um, right. I swear that guy can like start at the three point line and not take a dribble. And he just finds a way to pivot until he has a layup. That's called a travel. But okay. Yeah. But not with Timmy. Cause his, because his footwork is just so it's Perfect. exquisite. Yeah, <laughs> I do think that one. I mean, from a watchability standpoint, from the Sweet Sixteen, you rank rank the eight games in the Sweet Sixteen. Isn't this one? It's up there. It's one or two, probably. Right? It's got to yeah. be. Yeah. And we've had some great. Obviously, the Gonzaga UCLA matchup has has given us a couple of really memorable tournament games. One, obviously, the recent one with with Suggs finishing the thing off with like the the quarter, the, the long three to win it. Right. And the other one, the Morrison game from like what was that oh five or oh six morrison's making a comeback this year huh adam morrison's making a comeback this year i know he's all over those commercials i I know um i like ucla's physicality i think they're probably going to slow the game down and this is one of those where i imagine tiger campbell uh hami hakez they just they slow the ball game down and they play at their pace and and gonzaga struggles with that they always have. They've always struggled against teams who can get into them and be physical, slow the ball game down. And I worry about them doing that defensively. So I, I give the slight edge to UCLA. 
you know I love Gonzaga. You know I picked Gonzaga earlier in the thing. You know I kind of want to see that. So I would I would like to see Gonzaga. I honestly like this UCLA team too. I kind of like both. It's going to be hard. Like I, I really yeah. don't mind either team. I just hope it's a really good game. All right, let's go to Friday. Um, we have the South region and the Midwest region. Um, you were correct. The Thursday games were the bottom two region. And so we started from the bottom, now and we're now here. we're here at the top. We look um, at us right now. We're so yeah. insane. I know. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, so from the South region, we've got number one overall seed, Bama versus San Diego State, as well as Creighton versus this year's darling, Princeton. Uh, Midwest region, we have Houston versus Miami as well as Texas versus Xavier. Um, oh, you mentioned that you think Gonzaga and UCLA is probably, you said, in the top two of games for, from this round. Do you think that Texas Xavier is the other one in the top two, or what do you think there? Houston-Miami. Houston-Miami? Why? Well, you want you want high-level guard play. I mean, man alive, you've got probably the best backcourt in the country, assuming it's healthy, with Houston's Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser, and Tremont Mark, apparently, who just... Boy, all of his shots were on the mark. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, named stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then those Miami guards, I mean, you've got, you know, Wong and uh, Nigel that Pack. Is and Wuga Poplar, who's been playing really well lately, and Jordan Miller, who's kind of a guard. I, I just, I like those those teams, that matchup with, with those two teams. And it's just hard not to, I mean, Miami's been fun to watch a lot in the last handful of years. And I mean, this group's fun to watch Houston. If they play like they did in the second half of that Auburn game, I mean, they're obviously hard to imagine them beat someone beating them, but like they've looked vulnerable. You know, I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that one could be, could be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned the guard play, obviously. Um, I kind of, without getting too much into too much of the weeds and holy crap. Without getting into too much of the weeds here, um, I'm just going to go to who I, who I give the edge to. And I just don't think Miami's defense can keep up with Houston's offense. Um, when you're top 10 in both categories, according to Ken Bob, um, and then you have Miami who's like sub 100 in adjusted defense, um, I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up and stop Houston's offensively or defensively. You think it should be a little too easy for the Houston guys to kind of get what they want? Exactly, and honestly, I would. I'm gonna make a prediction here. Double digit game. You think Houston wins by? You think they open it up and win by double figures? Yep. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the last we saw of Houston against, I mean, they ran away from Auburn. They beat them by they they outscored them by what 27 in the second half. So, really, really impressive. The first three halves of that weekend, though, for Houston, did not look great. So they're finding it. Yeah, I, I hope so. And if and if Sasser and Shed are both you know, healthy again. I, I, I think I, yeah, I mean, I think Houston, you're right. They're a better team than Miami. And maybe I'm being, maybe it's a, a recency bias here, but I mean, with Miami, how good they looked against Indiana, they held up against a pretty good Indiana team. Now granted, those guards are nowhere near as good as Houston's, but yeah, I don't, you're, you might be right. You, it sounds like you like the Texas Xavier matchup better. I thought you would. I thought that you would pick that as your other kind of favorite matchup for some reason. I don't know why. Um, what's your favorite whatever. matchup from the entire weekend? Just for, well, I guess from the four games we got left here, Th- this, this group of games, I, I, I do think Texas Xavier out of this night will be the best game. Yes. Um, okay. Texas has so many ways, um, so many guards, 
Oh, that they can beat you with. And um, Marcus Carr's a leading scorer. Oh, yeah. I didn't think he was that high up there. Whatever happened, Timmy Allen's kind of – does he just not get as much shots this year? Is that the deal? Yeah, he just doesn't shoot at a ton. He's just kind yeah, of – they've, they've got so many guys, and it seems like yeah. he's almost like the third or fourth banana. Yeah. He also missed, I think, the Big 12 tournament with an injury. Okay, because he's got probably three missed games here. Yeah. Um, but no, and then uh, for Xavier, they're kind of, I don't know, they're kind of cut from the same cloth um, as Houston a little bit there with their defense. So I think it'll be a good game, Biggs. Um, but yeah, their depth is not that great. So who would you give the edge to here? Texas. You want Texas? I mean, they're 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 a two seed. They've been pretty much all season. Really, they've been remarkably consistent. I feel like there hasn't been a stretch where Texas has looked like you know, we talk about UConn and Creighton and some of these other teams where they go through stretches where they just kind of look like shit. Mm-hmm. Even Kansas was a one seed. And they had lost, I think, four games in a row at one point. I don't remember. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just blanking on that. But I don't remember Texas really ever having an extended stretch where they lost maybe more than two games. Like it feels like they've all like all year since that Gonzaga win to start the year kind of been in like the top five to 10, pretty much all season in a, in a really good league. I mean, they've taken losses, obviously everyone has in the big 12, but they look just, they look solid. And I was impressed with how they closed against Penn state, you know, with they, they've just got so many options. You're right. They, you I mean, you talk about the guards with Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, Serge Barry Rice, uh, you know, Timmy Allen, really good group of perimeter guys, but it feels like Dylan DeSue has, I mean, he obviously had a monster game against Penn state. He had like 25 or 26. He had a career high, I think. Uh, well, probably not a career high, but he had kind of his breakout game with Texas, but it feels like he's been coming on as of late. He was really good in the big 12 tournament for them. He gives them just kind of an athletic presence up front that I don't know. I, I think that'll be, that'll pose a challenge for, for Jack Nungy. Xavier big guy who's been awesome. He's been like dominant. It feels like in the big two or in the, in the tournament so far, he saved their ass. I think they were going to probably lose against Kennesaw state until Jack Nungy came out and, and swatted. He had that game winning block, you know, down the stretch. They've, they've needed him to, to really be clutch. And I, I just like Texas's balance. You, you talked about how Xavier's not great defensively. Texas is really good on both ends. And so I, 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 trust that even if they're not shooting well they're not going to give up 90 to Xavier Xavier's defense I don't think is Xavier can win one way and that's they got to they got to win 85 to 80 yeah. you know I think Texas will will muck it up a little bit more with them and, and make their guards a little more uncomfortable you know, the guy who I don't think's been playing super well lately and, and I don't have any stats to back it up it's just based on I, I've been watching the last couple weeks it feels like Suli Boom has come back to earth he started the year really, really well, and it feels like in recent weeks, I don't know if he's just kind of running out of gas because they need him so much. He plays a ton of minutes. I mean, he's still putting up points. Yeah, he's at but, 16 right now, points per game. I feel like that's come down a decent amount since earlier in the year, and the efficiency numbers are are down. He's not shooting it as well. Um, they're going to need a big game out of him. I mean, he's got to win that matchup against Marcus Carr yeah. because if, if Suli Boom isn't giving them points – you know, sometimes I, I think I think Kunkel's going to have a hard game because Tyrese Hunter is a really, really good defender. I would assume he'll be matched up with him. Um, I, I just think Texas has more ways to beat you than Xavier does. 
All right, let's get into the other set here. We have San Diego State, Bama, um, Princeton, Creighton. Do you think uh, Do you think Princeton has anything left in the tank here? Why not? I mean, man alive, their defense Ooh. has been elite, right? I mean, they shut down Arizona. They shut down uh, Missouri. Creighton is is another high-powered offensive team. Princeton's going to have to bring it on that end. They don't really have um, – offensively they they can't play they they can't like another team basically i feel like a broken record with a lot of these teams i mean defense in the tournament all these teams are defense first princeton's not a, an offensive juggernaut they got one guy that averages double figures their their foreman I, his name is like <laughs> try, uh, try try pronouncing his name it's it's a challenge i just read tosan, it here the other day tosan evbamon evbamon it doesn't sound anything like it spells. I remember reading about that the other day, and, and I can't even pronounce it, so I'm not even gonna try. Princeton's four man. He's a he's a he's a dynamic. He's a dynamic. I mean, he's a he's like a not a triple double guy, but like he's a do it all Swiss Army knife four man. But like they they might just win. They're kind of like Loyola Chicago. Remember Loyola Chicago last year or two years ago had like where they got just a bunch of guys that orbit around oh, one okay. kind of face up big. Okay. And none of their guards do anything in terms of like they don't impress you, and and it's like one guy goes for twenty, and then the next in the next three games he doesn't score, but then the next guy goes for twenty. Yep. I feel like Princeton plays a little bit like that. I think Creighton has just they, they've obviously got more talent, but so did Arizona and Missouri. I think those teams were more talented too. I guess we'll see. I'm I, I'm I'm a hater probably of the double digit seeds once we get to the Sweet Sixteen. So I guess I'd like to see Creighton. It's hard to not pick Creighton just based on how they've looked in the first couple games. I mean, they've looked outstanding. Yep. And, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due because clearly you don't want to. Um, Prince's run's been incredible so far. It's been awesome. Yeah, like I said, where you you don't want to give credit, so I'll, I I'll do it for you. Yeah, I'm exactly. Good, good for them. I'm not going to yeah. say I'm happy for them because I'm not. <laughs> but great job, Princeton. Yeah. Um, but it ends here. Uh, Creighton is going to be too much. Um, they're going to make it to the Elite Eight. They have too, too, many ways, too many ways to hurt you. They also just have a headband. You always win with a headband. Um, I imagine Kirk Creaso was not wearing a headband that last Thursday or Friday. So that's probably why they lost. So um, edge to Creighton. They go to the Elite Eight. And they will play the winner of Bama versus Alabama, San Diego Alabama State. San Diego State. Yeah. Are you ready for that one? Your thoughts. Can San, Diego, can San Diego State, with all their muscles, slow down Alabama's offense? We, we already kind of previewed this one like 45 minutes ago, <laughs> which was actually like three days ago. Remember, because we did talked we, about this a little? a little bit. Yeah, we, we did. talked about this a little bit. Um, and my thoughts remain the same. I am. I don't remember what like, they were. I'll, I'll have to listen back when I edit this thing. I've got guarded optimism. I, I hope it's a good game, but I can also, I can see a world where Alabama wins 77 to like 52 and San Diego State just doesn't have the juice to keep up. I tend to think their defense, every team that plays defense in this tournament has, has shown that you can stay in these games. If you play tough enough defense, you, they, 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 they've got to use the Duke Tennessee model, right? They've got to make it more physical. They've got to bump Alabama, make them uncomfortable and just hope those skinny Alabama five-star pretty boy freshmen uh, cry on the floor. You know, like that's, that's, that's gotta be their hope is that we've yep. got to try to be the bullies here and, and bully them into submission. Because they're not going to win a pretty up-and-down, open-gym, high-scoring game. They're just not. They don't have the kind of talent to do that. So 
I tend to think what I what I'm seeing from this one is San Diego State keeps it close for a little while. Alabama knocks down a bunch of shots, uh, you know, at some point either late in the first half or early in the second half to just get you like that eight to ten point piece of separation, and and then and then they just can't quite keep up. You know what I'm saying? I disagree. I think it's not going to be close from the get-go. I think Alabama's going to start off with like a very quick lead, mm. and then they're going to keep that lead steady throughout the rest of the game. You thought I was going to say that. I, I'm going to pick San Diego State. I was about to be really surprised. <laughs> did you see uh, Do you see this press conference with Nick, Nick Saban today? Yeah. he. Uh... <laughs> Good <laughs> choice of said, words, huh? What yeah, do you think? I think it's a shot. I think it's a shot at the basketball program because he's not the center of attention anymore. Yeah. You know what Nate Oates should, should show him is the picture of Jermaine Burton punching a Tennessee fan in the face when Tennessee was, uh, was rushing the field and uh, <laughs> him not uh, getting any sort of repercussion for that. There we go. Uh, pot meat kettle maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right. So we have the Sweet 16. We got eight games. What's your, what's your least favorite game? In terms oh, of watchability, right. like which one are you least rank the rank the eight games here, starting with the one that you're least excited <laughs> about. Okay. See you. All right. Least favorite game, Princeton Creighton. Second least favorites, San Diego State, Alabama. Mm. Third least favorite. Um Florida Atlantic, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth least favorite. I'm going back to the well on Friday. Would be Miami Houston. Fifth least favorite, um, Arkansas Yukon. And then sixth least favorite. This is getting confusing for me. Michigan State, Kansas I know, I, State. I, you, can, you can start working uh, the other se- way. Seventh, now, seventh least favorite, Xavier, Texas. Eighth least favorite, also the favorite. It's Gonzaga, U- <laughs> Gonzaga, UCLA. Nice. Yep. That was I did fun. It. I did it. That was fun. Yeah. All right. Give me this. Okay. Predict your final four. Who's it going to be? Who's going to make it? Predict my final four. Oh, all right. Based on, based on not the brackets that I filled out a week ago, based on simply what I've seen and what I think will happen. I'm going to say Alabama. Okay. Michigan state. Houston. Okay. And Yukon. So we have two of the same. Uh, we both have Alabama, Houston. And then I have Tennessee. And I have UCL. No, Gonzaga. Sorry, Gonzaga. So we've got two one seeds, a three seed, and a four seed. And we have you a situation. Here, going to the final four. I- I'm doing it. I'm Riding the train. Complete 180, Biggs. Crawl up. Yep. That's what I do. So that's just me volunteering my opinion. I like that. I like that. But you're not volunteering it because I, I did ask it for I asked it. No, no, no. Yeah, but I, I brought the topic up so that it's kind of like buying a gift from someone that's actually for yourself. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. What games? Uh, let's see. I don't know if there are any more talkers, honestly, in this. but um... Well, we're at like an hour and a half for this pod. So I, th- I think it's appropriate now. That's probably fair. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hope I there to, are some. I have to edit this thing. Good point. 
Did you already that, edit the first 30 minutes? I did actually. Okay. That's smart. That's working ahead. Exactly. That's a, that's elite post work right there. Work what, smarter, what, not harder. <laughs> would you, would your students work ahead like that? Very few, a few of them do. And I appreciate it. Cause then I can get their papers graded before, yeah. you know, the, the, the batch of them flow in. So does your wife work ahead? Never. Okay. No, our default sense. setting is running late. So okay. because of her, right, that's the life. That's our lot in life. And that's where we're at. So, yeah. All right. Well, Sweet Sixteen is uh, is upon us. Elite Eight is upon us. It's it's winding down, John. It's a little sad. I think this is how, how. Okay. Do you like this weekend better than the first weekend? The the I I, I say Thursday through Sunday. No. I I always like the first weekend the best. The first two days slash nights gets a little exhausting, but then it kind of eases into that the second two days, and yep. the second two days is spaced out. I still, I still do hate how they have like the two standalone games. I, do I wish too. that I do. I, I wish, and I, I, I don't know why, but I had never thought of a way to put it into my own words. I don't. There's never a reason to have to have three screens on those second two days, if that makes sense. Yeah, and no, I, I would agree with you. You're right. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, and there was a, I don't remember who I was listening to about this. I, I've, I've actually heard a couple of podcasts talking about this very thing. And it's like, why not have, if you want to have standalone games, why not flex phase that flex them earlier in the day and have your standalone games be at night at, at night. Yeah. Get some primetime games, get more of yeah. them on earlier in the day and then have the big primetime games on CBS like that. That's an, it's an odd thing, but also some of these games now, I, I do agree. Like we're getting into the point. What, where what, was this on Titus? Was it, I think it was on Titus. No, I, yeah, he might have. I mean, I remember they were talking about it, but Bill Simmons was talking about it too, and just how these games now they take, they take so long. And it makes me wonder if they have done some sort of a market study to be like, okay, we want to have two standalone games. What's the best time of the day? Maybe yeah. they found out that the best time for viewership are those two early games. Right, Saturday nights are probably people are out. Right, so they're right. probably not going to be. They're not going to be sitting at home watching. You know, yep. you are. I <laughs> sometimes yeah. Yeah. am. But like a lot of people are out hitting up, hitting up the bars. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Could be. Doesn't mean I have to like it, but uh, I will yell at the Some of these games, they never start on time, which I, which I'm generally okay with, but it does get to be a bit late with how long, I mean, college basketball games take two and a half hours. I was going to say half so long. It's a 40 minute game. Well, media for one media. wants to get an extra long time. But why haven't we adjusted to the point where say like currently the default is a safe, Game A tips off at noon, and then there's a game on that court directly after that. They basically assumed Game A is going to take two hours, so that'll end at two. Then they Always add a half, they, and then they add a half hour or twenty minutes or whatever it is. Why not assume the games are going to take two hours and fifteen minutes, and then add on whatever it is for warmups? Would know. that not make sense? It it would. Because these games never end in two hours. You are right. They they never do. No, yeah. they, they never do. Um, yeah. I don't know what we were just complaining about, but it felt good. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. All right. Sounds good. Bye.